We have been duped by feminism, sexual liberation, and antidepressants. We have been told that we are powerful and free now as women, but we feel tired, wired, and bitter. We're mostly eating right, exercising, and meditating, wrangling to-do lists, and arranging playdates, and yet there's a haunting hollowness beneath the huge complaints. What if I told you that there is a huge storehouse, a reservoir of energy inside of you that has not been tapped, that you could feel light and pulsing, excited and alive in ways that a wellness lifestyle cannot deliver, that you could trust yourself, that the world could feel safe and that unexpected and expected delights could start to illuminate your path. No coach, therapist, doctor, or guru required. Just you learning to get real, present, and attentive with you. I feel like I'm here to matchmake your inner parts for the greatest love affair ever written. I want to help you learn first where you're buying eggs from the hardware store, which is the source of all pain. I want to help you master entering through the upset, which is the only spiritual practice you'll ever need and to get real comfortable putting on your villain crown, which is, in my opinion, the key to true power. And then you'll attune to your inner yes so you can live the life defined by the specific pleasure of who you are. I am so excited to announce my latest book called The Reclaimed Woman, which is available for pre-order now. So if you head to the link in show notes, you can learn more about bonuses, events, and companion offerings. And I cannot wait to see your gorgeous face on the path. I'm Dr. Kelly Brogan. You may know me as a New York Times bestselling author of a book with an exploding pill on the cover, renegade psychiatrist, pole dancer, or honorary member of the Disinformation Dozen. What can I say? I'm a born provocateur. I've spent most of my recent life exposing deceptions, connecting dots, and discovering the secret places my inner victim is still waiting to be liberated. And now I feel called to help you reclaim all of your parts, your health, your sexuality, your power, and your expression so that you can finally truly own yourself. I want to ignite in you that inner knowing and the pulsing vitality that lives beneath your disempowerment, disconnection, and resentment so that you can audaciously, courageously, and playfully alchemize your struggle into the specific pleasure of who you are. This is Reclamation Radio, a Soul Fire production. Hi, I'm Dr. Kelly Brogan, and welcome back to Reclamation Radio. So I'm going to make you wait until the end of this podcast for a highly ridiculous personal story about my food journey. So today I would like to talk about the phenomenology of our personal relationship to food and nutrition. And I want to do so through a lens that I haven't applied yet. So if you know my work on nutrition and food, you might have heard me talk about my mentor, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, and how he was a proponent of 12 different diets based on our autonomic physiology, 
and that a parasympathetic dominant individual would eat totally different things than a sympathetic dominant individual. And you might have heard that I am a gluten and dairy hater, that I have a highly red meat based healing protocol in Vital Mind Reset and both of my books, and that I've been a vegetarian myself for a few years. So it's been a whole thing. I recorded a whole podcast on the best diet to eat. That's not what we're talking about here. I am very interested in the psycho-spiritual maturation process, what Jung may have referred to as the individuation journey. And often we see the evidence of our maturation through our relationships, right? So romantic relationships, relationships to those in our family of origin, even friendships and platonic dynamics. As we learn what it is that we are no longer willing to participate in, also known as our boundaries, we begin to learn what it is that we want, how it is that we feel love and connection and the kinds of relationships that fulfill us and sustain us. This is a process. It's actually an inner journey towards the realness at the core of ourselves. And I've found that this journey and its trajectory can be simplified into the reclamation of no, and then the reclamation of yes. So the restoration of a sense of individuality and boundaries, and then the release of life force energy, vital force energy, eros, creativity, impulsivity, desire, pleasure, all of these things can be liberated into the space of you-ness after it is that you understand what it is that you are not. You reclaim yourself from merger. So in these stages, if there are stages that are archetypal, I have looked at in human relationships, I have seen, you know, that we move from unconsciousness, right? We move from merger. We move from compliance. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. It's all good. You have no sense of why it is that you're doing something for somebody else or with somebody else. It's just sort of what you do. Then there's often a rupture of empathy where you begin to see, oh, this person actually isn't me and doesn't have my best interest at heart, perhaps. And from that rupture, there is often a phase of defiance, rebellion, separation, a real no. And along the path comes sovereignty, which is non-referential. It is non-oppositional. And you get to a place of real neutrality around that which you were formerly potentially codependent on. And then in rejection of, you come to this place where everything on the outside, you release to its beingness, and you focus on you. So I have not applied this to the food journey, right? To what it is to develop a healthy relationship to food and nutrition. So for many of us, we begin our food journey with that merger, right? That unconscious experience of food as just something that is around, you put in your mouth and you eat it and you don't think about it, either tastes good or it doesn't. You're hungry, then you're full. And food plays this transactional role often. So it's used as a source of reward, sometimes as punishment. And none of that is intentional. None of that is conscious. For most of us, the classical journey is that you don't really examine your nutrition 
until and if you get quote unquote sick. So you have an experience of feeling powerless in the face of your so-called illness, your diagnosis. And for various reasons, you find the path of nutrition as healing. That is why 100% of my patients ever came to me. They had exhausted the resources available through the allopathic system, and they knew there was a better way. And that better way involved personal choice and lifestyle change. So as you enter into this post-rupture landscape, there is a pretty big no. There's often a lot of anger that helps you to rise out of the potential despair and powerlessness and dependency and helplessness of feeling afraid of whatever your body is doing, of whatever your symptoms are manifesting as. And that sense of, you know, often like injustice around the system, right? So a lot of people who've had adverse effects related to medications or have experienced the failure of the system itself, they come to nutrition with this sort of guns blazing, like <laughs> I'm going to beat this thing, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal myself. And it's a very goal-oriented energy. It's what I would describe as a masculine energy, right? And there's a lot of no in it, right? no, I am not doing what I was doing before. No, I'm not taking your meds. No, I'm not going to be sick. There is a rejection of the status quo. And there's not really typically a vision for what is wanted. It's just a certainty that whatever is going on is not for you. So in that terrain, there is an opportunity to bring your inner masculine, your inner father to the scene. And this is a lot of what I observe happens with my program, Vital Mind Reset, is that your inner man <laughs> comes online. And there is finally a sense that someone is home and really a sense that you've got you. It's like that big, buff, strong dude who is just like wrapping his arms around you from behind and saying, baby, I'm here. Don't worry about a thing. And this inner masculine is responsible for the reclamation of choice, initiative, organization, follow through, and the experience of committing. I joke that it's like actually giving a shit about yourself finally. And the maturation of that masculine is a ritual often, and it can't be undone, right? So once you have that experience, your whole system, I call it, is sent a signal of safety. Your whole system feels your inner masculinity come online and there is regeneration and restoration of your inner harmony. Now, the trouble is that there are fierce boundaries that are often required. There's discipline that is required. And many of us in the health and wellness space can get trapped here. And we can really arrest our development psychospiritually. And we can even probably regress in some ways there's a term called orthorexia, which refers to this neurotic and self-defeating obsession with the details of what are healthy foods to eat, right? So as you come into the experience of boundary nutrition and the reclamation of lifestyle choice, it is the case that you can demonize and reject certain foods. So how do we get to you know, this 
next phase of liberating and maturing the feminine, right? So what is it to then experience the pleasure of eating? What is it to trust your intuition around eating? So in my rubric, starting with intuitive eating would likely have you eating, you know, donuts and drinking wine for dinner. So that experience of discipline, that sort of personal boot camp is how you show your system that an adult is finally here. That's my belief anyway. And then there is this experience of trusting your intuition, maybe within the boundaries that have been pre-established, right? So in my journey, which I'll talk more about in a minute, you know, there would be times where I would crave like radishes and I would walk around with like a bushel of radishes and a little salt shaker in my backpack for weeks at a time. There was a time I ate broccoli rob by the bushel, probably for six months of my life. And, you know, those are all in the bounds, right? So trust your intuition, but don't get like too crazy and don't, you know, get off the plan kind of a thing. Is there another step, right? What does a sovereign relationship to food look like? And how do you mature and evolve the voices inside of you that say that certain foods are bad? How do you get to the place where there is not an eroticized taboo, where there isn't a single food out there that your inner child is still longing for, right? A single food out there that you would say, you know, on my deathbed, I'm going to eat that again where your experience of the foods that you're not eating is that you actually just don't prefer to eat them. So is it possible that a sovereign relationship to food is predicated a fierce and loyal allegiance to your preferences as the only guiding force? You prefer it, that's what you do. You don't prefer it, that's not what you do. And there is no need for rules, right? In human relationships, I have found that there is a phase where boundaries and space and distance, and this does not work for me, is really essential. And then comes a time where it's actually quite easy to interact with the same people you needed all that space from, and the charge is drained out, and you can assess in real time, is this working for me or not? And there isn't a need for this infrastructural understanding of yes and no. The rules aren't necessary any longer. And of course, as I have mentioned many, many times in this podcast and my work, when you get to the place where you don't need to make something bad and wrong in order to not choose it or to say no to it, that is the definition of sovereignty in my opinion, because you have reclaimed your power of choice and you don't need to validate it by entering into the victim triangle. So In this model, your boundaries are loving preferences exercised by the deep self. They're not actually against, they're for you. They're not against anyone else. So to illustrate how this can look, (laughs) not that I'm there, I will tell a bit of a tale about a recent experience, vulnerable experience (laughs) that I had. Okay. So in a nutshell, I was a processed and junk food addict for most of my life, like really excessive one until there's such a a spectrum. And when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I cleaned up my diet. So that looked like initially eliminating gluten and dairy 
very, very strictly, including butter and evolved to essentially the diet that I promote in my books and vital mind reset, which is like an ancestral diet. Right. And I engaged that in 2010. I have not knowingly had gluten or dairy since and have like rather strict relationship to the dirty dozen (laughs) organic foods and processed sugar. And, you know, I just, it's just how it is. It's just how I be. And I go, I travel all over the world and order off the menu. And I've learned how to like finesse the question and not, you know, feel like an entitled diva when I'm at a restaurant and I know how to be cool about it. And, you know, my friends know it's how it is. Right. And my diet began to shift as I talk about in my previous podcast in 2020. And I started to shift my relationship to meat. And then I did a water fast, which I've also shared a lot about. And while that was one of the deeper spiritual experiences of my life, and this was a water only fast, it was a nine day fast. I am not sure that I experienced because it wasn't perhaps like a 21 or a 40 day fast you know, my, my friend, Andy Kaufman, who inspired me to do it, did and has done since 26 day fast. Perhaps it was not long enough. However, now almost a year later, I can't say that I've had necessarily physical benefits and and perhaps quite the contrary. And part of the explanation for that is that it was quite stressful for me in those days. It was emotionally stressful. It was physically very stressful to be alone and not eating stress. I mean, you know, the demand was just at the capacity of what I could meet. How about that? And when I reintroduced foods, I reintroduced some of my favorite foods like eggs and avocado and salsa verde. And it's possible, you know, that my system tagged proteins perhaps in those foods as associated with this stress environment and that my system became, you know, on high alert since then, because I've had you know, not my usual relationship to my like totally quiet, perfect gut function since I changed my diet in 2010. Anyway, all that is to say that I showed up for a one-on-one family constellation the other day with Amrly, who is my friend who I do this work with and who will also be participating in my first, I'm just going to do a little quick plug for this, my first in-person event in November called Audacious Embodiment. She's amazing. And we talked about, you know, this and related matters. And she was explaining to me how in Family Constellation, there is this concept that gluten is the father energy and dairy is the mother energy. And that when you're in rejection of these foods, right, versus preferring not to eat them, there's something there. Also, I know, you know, even through German New Medicine, that this concept of an allergy is related to situational conflicts psychic conflicts that arise in the setting of the consumption of these foods. So that's sort of where I got this idea of what might have happened at the tail end of my water fast. So we discussed what it is to get to a place where I am not any longer in rejection of certain foods, right? So there aren't foods that are on the no way, no how list. There are simply foods that I prefer to eat, and ones that I prefer not to. And that may change moment to moment. So this is not the way I've lived for over a decade. And it's a very new paradigm and also makes sense, right? In the rest of my 
perspective and approach that there is a maturation of this process, that it is not static. And so she encouraged me to speak to my body, right? So this is sort of obvious. And I took the time to do it because of her encouragement. So I sat down and talked to my body and sort of like parts work, you know, I spoke to my gut and I saw like this image actually of a watermelon, interestingly, was sort of like representing my gut. And that was one of the foods I broke my water fast with also. And I asked, you know, like what's needed and felt into, you know, what's, what's being held energetically and emotionally by this area of my body. And the memo that I got was you should go buy a Breyers ice cream and eat it. Okay. And by the way, I have, you know, daughters and I have raised them, you know, there, we have only organic food in the house. There's no processed sugar. There's no gluten dairy. You know, I taught a masterclass on victimless mothering and, you know, I've probably mentioned this here as well. I have just begun to, as if it's my role, but to empower my daughters to make their own decisions around food. And it's very challenging for me to be out with them and to, you know, watch them choose to order something that I don't approve of. Right. But I've, I'm committed to resolving the conditional access to mama's love when we make the right holistic health choice as children, a phenomenon that I see a lot in this space. So anyway, that's been going on in the background as well. And so when I heard this about the Briar's ice cream, I thought, well, that's funny. And I'm not doing that. <laughs> and Briar's ice cream was like one of the staples of, I would say my like tween and well, pretty much like my whole life until I changed my diet, but the dimensions of my childhood that I recall and tween and teen years, and especially the, what is it called? Like Napoleon or something like the strawberry, vanilla and chocolate, like three flavors, but also the mint chip. And I remember it as being like ridiculously delicious. And of course, like vegan sugar-free ice cream, it's just, not, I'm sorry, like <laughs> if you have a company that vends excellent vegan sugar-free ice cream, please let me know. So anyway, I just sort of was like tickled by the idea and then went on with my life. And maybe I, you know, talked to my girlfriend about it and just sort of was like, I don't know what to make of this. It's interesting. It seems to me like I should be potentially more restrictive with my diet at this point rather than like less, you know, it seems like you should be really unrestrictive with your diet when you're feeling 1000% symptom-free, fantastic, right? Which I felt before I did the water fast PS. Anyway, no mistakes. So I think it was the next day or within 48 hours. And this is how family constellation works, by the way, too. There's literal magical things occur in your life after you, you do this work. So I was packing to move and the moving guys were coming and my daughters were not in the house. And I went into my eldest daughter's room to ready like the couple of boxes that were in there because we took almost nothing with us. And I go into her room and I notice on the ground is a napkin and the napkin has two donuts in it. It's just like on, literally on the floor. And I pick up the donuts and I recognize them immediately as Entenmann's donuts. So I didn't even know Entenmann's was still around. However, you know, if you were 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s kid, you know, Entenmann's donuts. So the Briars was pretty high up there, but if I had to pick one thing that was a junk food that represented my like hedonistic relationship to snacks, it would be these donuts. I used to buy them by the carton and I would dip them in coffee 
And I drank like six cups of coffee a day in my twenties. And these donuts appeared in my fucking house. Okay. So it doesn't get more on the nose than that. So I didn't have to go get the briars because the Entenmann's appeared literally in my house two days after I had this experience of opening to the possibility that there is a softening that's required of me, that there is a rigidity and dogmatism that is not serving me and is potentially at this point, keeping me in an immature state of, or a less mature state of masculinity and arresting the development of my feminine, right? So of my relationship to my impulses, my desires, my pleasures, and the way that my inner child holds the access points, right? So could it be that there are dimensions of my little girl that are longing for, maybe even like obsessed with (laughs) these eroticized taboo foods that are holding all of this vital force energy? So I know you're on the edge of your seat, but here's what happened. I picked up the donuts and I already have done the work where the fact that they were in my daughter's room, like it didn't trigger me at this point. And I'll tell you, you know, her take on this story later. So I was just going to throw them out and I was drinking a chai latte at the time, which is not even something I normally drink. I'm a matcha girl and it looks like coffee, right? So coffee is a good example, right? I haven't had coffee like at all since 2007. There is like not a part of me that has any interest. I'm not interested like coffee breath and everything that comes with it. Nothing about it interests me. It's not like I'm like, oh, coffee's so bad. I'm never going to touch it. It's just not what I prefer, right? So anyway, that's I, for me, that feels like it doesn't have energy stuck there, right? Anyway, so I have this chai in my hand and I realize that I have an opportunity to eat these fucking donuts. So I do that. I made like a little ritual out of it and I ate not one, but two Entenmann's donuts. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kelly Brogan reporting live from the scene. So they were, and I dipped them in the chai, which looks like coffee, right? So I was like brought back to this scene and they were absolutely delicious. I have no idea how old they were and doesn't matter because all the preservatives in there, they could last for, you know, an era. And at the end I had this like really funky film, like waxy film all throughout my mouth. Oh my God, it was gross. And so it was not entirely blissful. It was not entirely ecstatic. It was also gross. And so it was this like very balanced experience of something that had I not revisited it might have continued to hold this idealized charge and the attachment of some dimension of my inner child. And what's funny is that when I told my daughters the story, she said, I won't even eat those because they're so gross. (laughs) So that's why they were sitting there. Somebody gave them to her and she wouldn't even eat them. So on some level, at this point, she already has that level of discernment because I didn't, you know, I certainly didn't. And at this point, perhaps I'm developing it, (laughs) but there was something liberated for me where I not only move through like this experience of foods. And by the way, I felt like fine (laughs) afterward. Have I like gone out and bought them? No, it's just sort of was an experience and now it's done. And there are probably like a handful of other foods like that, that are in this, you know, sort of glass cabinet of thou shalt not touch these ever again. And I just sort of like in some dimension of myself, I'm in devotion to them, like obsessed with them. 
right? So through this experience, I have softened those rigid, reflexive, like firm, no boundaries to come into an understanding that my impulses and my intuition hold very valuable information for myself and directions. And I have proven to myself that I am this resilient. So I know that many of you have these stories. You probably have these stories with pharmaceuticals and with other things that become taboo in the health space that come into this framework of good and bad that we know holds the energy of a certain polarity that can get charged. And if you're in defiance of one end of the pole, you are also in its erotic caress, as I call it. So I can't say that I'm like going in the deep end of eating all the junk foods at this point. However, I do think that it's just a dimension of the healing through a strict food protocol conversation that I would like to put on the table. No pun intended. All right. See you next time.